Three, two. Hello, and welcome to Cal's First Entertainment Hour. And today we're going to be talking about Sonic 2. So, yeah, I'm talking about this because this is my favorite movie of this year because I just got Sonic Mania on my Switch because I'm that much of a mega fan. And today we're going to talk about this movie with my favorite uh, co host, Hayden from. Uh, Ohio, I believe. That, that's what it's called? Yeah, it is from Ohio, actually. And uh, it's the greatest state to ever live. Everybody wants to come live and move in Ohio because Ohio is a great state. We're known for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, the highest littering in the nation. Uh, we have climate issues over here. Everybody is really mean to everyone. We have the Cincinnati Reds. We have Skyline Chili. Oh, no. We have... Oh, no. uh, we have Columbus, which is like the nicest area in Ohio. We have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have Kane's Chicken. And uh, it rains here every fucking day, it feels like. So come wait live in Ohio. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Doesn't this place also have uh, the chili, the, the Skyline Chili? Yeah, as I said earlier, Skyline Chili, which we're oh, known for. God. Uh, do you know what? I'm gonna hop into another universe where I'd never what seen this mean? before. What do you mean? Hold on. We were gonna talk about Sonic 2 in Ohio. D- I kinda lost interest. Okay, time to warp. Uh, orange juice. Hello? Hi. Uh, I'm here to talk about everything everywhere all at once. Ah, so you've come to the universe where we only talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. How convenient, because my original co-host, uh, Brian D., just warped out into a dimension where they talk about nothing but WWE wrestling all day. So, I guess you and I can talk about it now. Whew, alright, because there's a lot of thoughts on this movie, so I'm kind of yeah. excited. And, uh, oh, wait, yeah. in, this, in this universe, uh, what do we call this podcast? We call this podcast Hayden's Entertainment Hour, and it is free from the clutches of Brian D. owning it. Oh my god, that is that is safe. Because I, I heard that you were like pretty riled up about that, actually. In my yeah, we, we, we resolved the dispute in more ways than one. But don't worry, I totally didn't kill Brian and warp him into another dimension to get my oh. podcast back. No, of course I wouldn't do that. I, I know that you're a pacifist, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, I, of I, course I, I never would. Never. Never once. Well, (laughs) welcome to Hayden's Entertainment Hour. Uh, This entire intro was inspired by Fahrenheit, so if you guys really liked the intro, it was Fahrenheit's idea, and I am glad that we did it. It was a lot of fun. Um, But today, yes, we're going to be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. And I know what a lot of you guys are probably thinking, what the hell is this movie about? It looks really complicated. The trailers confuse me. I don't understand what's going on. Mom, help me. What's going on? I need to understand this movie. Well, that's why today me and Fahrenheit are going to be breaking down everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, because both of us deeply love this movie. And one thing we should both share before we get into this, it made us both shed a tear. I think more tears came out of Fahrenheit than me because I tried to hold him back. I was like, I'm not going to look like a big baby in this sold out audience right now, but I did shed a few tears. But Fahrenheit, from the picture you sent me, you look like a mess after this thing. I was, I was kind of a wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, because I don't want to judge movies based off of how much I cried to them. That's definitely not the case. But I, yeah, I fucking sobbed like 
five times during the third act. It was, and like, I was in a theater of like less than 20 people. And I was, I only heard myself sobbing and I was kind of embarrassed. Yeah. But frankly, I don't know. It's a, it's a really good movie. I yeah, think. this is, this is phenomenal. Um, as a lot of people know, I have been championing uh, A24 on this podcast for a while. I've always said they've been making the best movies right now. They are not afraid to take risk as a company. They do a lot better thematic-wise and doing representation than companies like Disney and Universal ever have. And it kind of amazes me that they still really fly under the radar. But I'm hoping that this movie will change that perspective because... I'm hoping this thing just cracks open and makes like $150 million, even more than that, because most A24 films don't pull a lot at the box office, which has been known by a lot of people. But today I'm here to say I think this one has potential to be their highest grossing movie of all time, just simply because of the star power behind it, the reception behind it, and... I've even had friends that usually hate A24 films go and see this, and they say it's a really good movie, which is a really good sign for this movie going forward. Uh, yeah, well, on the top of my head, I've seen, like, a handful in the grand scheme. Of th I've seen, like, a handful of A24 movies. Uh, Moonlight is, like, probably up there as far as one of my favorites, because uh, that one actually did get nominated and won the award for uh i believe best picture right the, yeah that's correct it did because it, it um had that amazing upset where we thought it was la la land and then yeah mm -hmm. but yeah uh my favorite one's probably either the lighthouse or uh the florida project going into those, this. Yeah, those are good choices. Um, My favorite A24 film of all time is still Uncut Gems. Uh, it holds a very special place in my part. It became one of my favorite movies of all time almost instantly after I saw it. Um, the Lighthouse is another great one. This movie has moved up there with the likes of those movies too. Uh, there's plenty more I could name, but I don't want to get into that list today because we are here to talk about the new A24 film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. To give you a plot synopsis, Michelle Yeoh plays Evelyn Wang. She basically is somebody that wishes she could be anywhere else in the universe than where she is right now. She is married to her husband, Wayman, played by Kei Hu Kwan, and she has a daughter uh, named Joy Wang that is played by Stephanie Hsu, and all three of them are kind of estranged with each other. The movie kind of sets the precedent that Michelle Yeoh does not really seem to give a shit about anything that's going on besides running this rundown laundromat, always pushing her daughter aside and never showing her true acceptance basically coddling to her father that is always trying to, that she's always trying to seek approval for and always not really paying attention to what Waymond is saying and as this movie progresses Michelle Yeoh is gifted by Alpha Waymond who gives her an ultimatum to help save the multiverse and Michelle Yeoh ultimately accepts it to help save the multiverse and all of the multiversal versions of themselves yes I know the plot synopsis sounds really convoluted but trust me as we break this thing down it's gonna get a lot more easier to understand do not worry but yeah. um, initial reactions with this, Michelle Yeoh deserves an Oscar nomination, Stephanie Hsu deserves a Best Supporting Actress nomination, Caillou Kwan deserves a Best Supporting Actor nomination or Best Actor nomination, James Hong deserves a nomination, Jamie Lee Curtis, basically this entire cast should get an Oscar nomination. It really should because everybody in this is damn near perfect. Do you know what? I, <laughs> I kind of agree with that actually since it's so bizarre that each actor is able to get so much emotion out of this movie. Like, um, yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, Ki-Hee Kwan? That's his mm -hmm. name? Yeah. Uh, 
he's never been put the screen in like 20 years yeah since i've only seen him in like the goonies and i've only heard that he's his first debut film was in the indiana jones movie yeah he's short round yep so yeah just like and also i've been like following like what he's been doing Mm -hmm. like for for this movie and apparently he's been through like an acting coach uh a voice coach and also a body language coach because like his character essentially he's playing like different versions of like different like nice people Mm -hmm. and it's so impressive to see him like shift from like uh a worrying husband who wants to divorce uh his wife currently to like this alpha verse version of himself where he's like guiding him uh yeah. guiding his wife from another universe it's so weird it's so cool i can't wait to dissect this movie frankly yeah. and their performances oh yeah their performances are great but uh this movie ultimately opens up in kind of one of the most a24 ways possible it shows like the family is all bonding together at one point all big happy family and then boom we open up to michelle yo that is trying to do her taxes and wayman is like trying to find a way to speak to her about like hey do you have all of this set up for the party you remember we have to file this under this and michelle yo is not paying attention at all she so much so is not really listening to the point of where she didn't listen to the fact that Joy was bringing her girlfriend over, Becky. And this basically sets the president from the start that Michelle Yeoh is very much like her father because she mentions a lot in the beginning about how her father needs to be fed, needs to be catered for, how her father doesn't need to know about Joy's life decisions, about how her father can't know about them being audited or anything like that. She constantly is trying to hide all of this from her father that is a little bit going senile in this movie because they do hint at the fact like, oh, Gong Gong's so old and his mind was starting to go he had to move in with us but gong gong is still disapproving of all of michelle yo's choices up until this point and she isn't and he is so far in an old generation to the point of where he wouldn't understand that joy is dating becky so she hides all of this from gong gong ultimately doesn't listen to her husband and ultimately when joy comes around completely either ignores her is rude to her or simply says i don't know why you're dating this becky girl i don't get what you see in her and everything like that and this character much like characters in most A24 films are hard to love because they are such an asshole at the beginning and you're like what the hell why are you treating your family like this but it's ultimately setting the precedent for her arc that she has been so stressed out in this life path that she's chosen that she is so scatterbrained to where she wanted to be anywhere else but here that she isn't looking in the now and caring for the loved ones that she has it's ultimately why when Joy uh, enters the laundromat she's trying to talk to her mom she just simply dismisses everything she's saying or she's trying to fix the watch or find clothes or take down google eyes as joy is trying to open up to her like do you like becky do you approve of what i'm doing here and stuff and she never acknowledges it all why wayman just trying to tell her how important the taxes are how he wants to speak about the divorce and once again she's ignoring him and again this is a hard character to love but again a24 is really good at setting up these characters that are hard to love no, yeah, it's because I do think that Evelyn Wang is probably one of the most interesting characters that I've seen put to film. Because, yeah, it's really good to see like how she develops because there's so many arcs connected to like the supporting actors. So like to Joy, to um, Wayman, to Gong Gong, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah. Uh, this also kind of plays into 
generational trauma, which is kind of something that has been uh, like a theme with most of these movies that are coming out, basically. Generational trauma being just like traumatic moments that happened like at a specific generation and it's just been passed down to generation to the generation. But it's basically in the name. Uh, and yeah. This movie's no different because this kind of plays into Evelyn's character, how she's kind of stuck to the past and the present. Yeah. And ultimately, like you said about generational trauma, she is basically just using the same harsh reality that her father put on her with Joy. And it's ultimately why Joy is so disconnected from her and like wants to make her own life, but is still seeking approval from her. And even when she's like, hey, we're going to leave because you're not listening, Evelyn can only say one rude thing to her, which is you're getting fat and then walks away, which is a terrible thing to say to your daughter in the first way. But it also just shows like how deranged and detached she is from like, this is your daughter. This is somebody that you need to love no matter their flaws, and she isn't loving Joy for her flaws, which is going to take in the character a little bit later as we discuss the movie. But Wayman is ultimately running around the laundromat. He's trying to keep all the customers at bay, and eventually they're like, well, we got to go to the auditor. So all of them get in the car, they go to the auditor, and as they're going through the thing, Gong Gong is sitting there and he's like, oh, I don't know why you want another laundromat. Your current laundromat is a shithole. Basically, he's just like nagging joy for like you've made a terrible life decision up to this point why would you want to keep this life decision going and as evelyn actually yeah yeah nagging evelyn and so as they get in the elevator which i guess i forgot to hint at earlier uh waymond at the beginning of the movie on these tv cams as evelyn and joy are arguing there is a small little piece of text that pops up that says uh i think it's like life force connecting or something like that or life force connection and you see him go from wayman just like the really nice plucky goofy dad to like almost like a martial arts master he's just jumping over everything he's going in he's grabbing all of these items and whatnot and he comes back and as evelyn turns towards the camera he acts like his normal goofy self well as they get in this elevator to go up to the auditor he very quickly takes off his glasses, pulls out his fanny pack, which has an umbrella, twirls it up to block the camera, and begins talking to Evelyn about, you're in grave danger, I need you to make this decision. Once you turn off this elevator, you can go to your scheduled audit appointment, or you can go to the janitor's closet. He puts these two little earpieces in her ears, begins writing down instructions on this piece of paper, as he allows Evelyn to see her entire life. And in this montage, it's not only great editing, sound design, all of that, but just the way it quickly gives us enough exposition to know her as a character up until this point is wonderful because we see basically she was born as a girl and the doctor says, I'm sorry, you have a daughter. And ultimately her father is being really harsh on her and trying to push her to be something great. But ultimately when she starts wanting to date Waymond, she decides to go off and have a better life with him because he's different and she looks at him for all her flaws and loves her no matter what. And Gong Gong pushes her away. Well, ultimately, when she discovers it's a laundromat and it's not really making a whole lot of money and they're having financial hardships, she begins to have a lot of regret. Like, she could have been something else. She could have gone anywhere else. And ultimately, it kind of turns into almost a loveless marriage, so much to the point to where she doesn't even care about her own daughter. She doesn't really even care about how she's doing or the life decisions that she's made. And ultimately, it's led to this mundane existence where she feels like she's living in a personal hell. And as the doors open... Alpha Wayman goes back to regular Wayman, and it's just perfect. This entire sequence is just perfect. Especially because, yeah, as we mentioned before, just like the performances from both, uh, from Quan and Yo, like bringing these characters to life. Because, like, after 
Evelyn just saw her entire life flash before her eyes. Like, she's, like, so, like, emotionally exhausted, it seems. And then you just have, like, uh, you just have Waymond just trying to explain. It's like, do this, do this, do this. Okay, goodbye. And then just reverts back to just, like, some some old husband that's been with her this entire time. And it's so... I I just love movies. I, yeah. I think this... At the end of the day, I think this movie definitely just made me appreciate just, like, movies as a medium. Just because of just, like, how much... I'm getting ahead of myself. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, well, anyways, then we get introduced to another fun character in this, which is Deidre, who is the auditor. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has so much fun with this role. I mean, I haven't really seen her look like she's cared so much about a character since probably Halloween or Knives Out, not gonna lie. Um, and she is just having so much fun with this character. She's a hard-ass auditor. The movie calls her a, quote, unlovable bitch. So she basically is just hard on the wings the entire time. She's like, well, you're filing all of these things that are hobbies as uh, business expenses. And of course, you know, Evelyn's trying to be like, well, you told me I was a good cook. I am a good singer. She's like trying to justify all these things. But ultimately, Wayman in the end is like, no, no, no. Like the, my wife gets confused with her hobbies. I'm sorry. Like, could we file this under something different? And it shows once again, the disconnect between them and their marriage. And ultimately it causes Evelyn to start looking at the piece of paper. And she begins to do everything that Alpha Wayman told her to do. She takes the shoes off, she thinks about the janitor's closet, and then she pushes the earpiece, which has this really fun scene where she goes shooting back in a chair into the janitor's closet, and her mind is fractured in two different ways. The one where she's basically in autopilot mode in reality, and the other one where she's in the bridge universe in the janitor's closet. And here we get amazing editing, amazing sound design, and once again amazing exposition, from Alpha Wayman. So Alpha Wayman here is talking about how basically he is a Wayman from the Alpha universe and he has been searching all the other universes to find the one Evelyn that could maybe stop Jobu Tupaki, which of course she doesn't know what a Jobu Tupaki is. She says that's just a bunch of random letters that you're saying basically and she doesn't believe him at first. She's like, I'm very busy today. I do not have time to help you with any of this. And at the same time, she's trying to pay attention to the meeting because she's afraid that her current husband Wayman is screwing up the entire audit. But at the same time, she is basically faced with ultimate decision she can be the version of evelyn that helps him stop jodu Tapaki and save all of the other universes or she can sit here and try to finish her taxes and so ultimately that decision is given to her when she goes back into reality after alpha waymond is seemingly killed quote unquote and the other version of jamie lee curtis is coming through the closet with a pipe to smack evelyn we go back to reality where jamie lee curtis is like all right i'm gonna regret this but i'm gonna give you guys one decision here and it's one big decision by six o'clock you can refile your taxes and bring them back to me and waymond's like thank you so much for this blah 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 like this is a great choice you won't regret it or anything but evelyn is so caught up in the moment and everything that just happened to her that the only thing that she last heard is she will know when she needs to fight. <laughs> and as they go to the elevator, um, Wayman notices the divorce paper that's on the ground and is like, oh no, did Evelyn see this? And when he shows her the divorce paper, it's actually the back of the paper that had the instructions written on it. And Evelyn <laughs> confuses it as like, wait, you're Alpha Wayman, you're back, like you know about this. And it leads into a great joke 
where Jamie Lee Curtis gets up in her power pose angrily and walks over towards the elevator. And Evelyn thinks, this is my moment to strike and just sucker punches Jamie Lee Curtis in the face. <laughs> and she falls over and is like, oh my God, you assaulted me. I can't believe you did this. And ultimately it shows there was a whole miscommunication there and that Alpha Wayman was not actually there and that Wayman was talking about the divorce paper. And Michelle Yeoh is crushed by this. She's like, well, your brother gets a divorce and now you think it's okay. And the two of them go back and forth. He's like, I don't think it's okay, but you always talk about how you always think you could have been something more and how if we had never gotten married, you know, like you could have been like a singer or something great. And I don't know, I just thought it would help. And the two of them kind of sit on that moment because as Wayman goes to cry, he pushes up his glasses and it's Alpha Wayman again. And that is just terrific transition. That is great acting, like you pointed out earlier. Like, the amount of body acting and range he had to go through for this is just phenomenal. Since, yeah, um, I remember seeing a video before doing this podcast where, uh, yeah, where um, Michelle Yeoh was basically talking about his process. Just, like, what the body language coach taught um uh Kwan, basically uh and yeah it's like for the you for this universe um waymond he needs to act like a squirrel just like running around the house basically right and mm-hmm. then for alpha waymond he has to act like an eagle that has to be like a leader and then for um, for another universe that we'll get into later, he has to act like a fox. Mm-hmm. You might know which one I'm talking about right now, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll wait for it in a second, basically. Yeah. Well, anyways, as they're waiting at the elevator, security comes up, and Alpha Wayman takes the earpieces off of Michelle Yeoh, puts them on himself, and he begins to do something kind of weird. He opens the fanny pack, pulls out basically some lipstick, chapstick, eats it, and the security guards are just kind of cut off like sir are you okay and this is one of my favorite moments in the entire movie it changes from full screen to widescreen and like it looks like it's shot in 4k almost in a way i was like oh my god it even changed the cinematography style because ultimately alpha wayman becomes a fucking badass he basically becomes like a martial arts master and beats the shit out of all of these security guards in a sequence that is edited perfectly the music in the background is perfect the choreography is perfect he is just going to town on these guys at one point he even takes a little break to fill his fanny pack with a bunch of like marbles from a fish tank and he starts beating around the guys with it but the the icing on the cake of the entire scene is he uses like the little clip end of like your little fanny pack and he gets it stuck in a guy's nose <laughs> and drags him down and basically makes him face plant with it. It's it's so well done. It is so amazing, the action in this movie. It is... Ugh. We talked about Chung-Chi in a previous podcast, right? And just, like, yeah. how well that action was. Yeah. The fact that we're, like, having this level of... Because, keep in mind, this movie costs, like, $25 million dollars. Mm-hmm. It, and compare that to like other uh yeah just like compare this to other superhero flicks like oh, we talked about the batman as well that costs a hundred million dollars and i still love that movie i think it's like my second favorite movie this year mm-hmm. yeah and ultimately i was kind of thinking i was like you know marvel has like 200 to 250 million dollar budgets and they always think like you need cg to make an action sequence and then this movie which is made on a budget of 25 million does not have any CGI really in it that's 
super noticeable until the ending or it's all practical choreography and it's like this looks 10 times better than like iron man beating the shit out of a generic goon exactly and frankly i'm for it and the fact that the, this isn't even like the best fight it's still like top tier it, i'm super excited to just like talk about this movie like just more stuff that i frankly i just appreciate yeah well, ultimately, at this point, <laughs> Alpha Wayman's like, your husband is gone. I'm going to help you get through the rest of this. Now, you can either go with me or just lie here and live with the consequences. And Evelyn's like, I just want to lie here. I'll, I'm all good. And so <laughs> Alpha Wayman picks her up, carries her, and we start to zoom in on the janitor's closet. And we cut to a different universe where Michelle Yeoh is basically dying on the ground. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, like I said, like her super henchman version of herself comes walking out with the pipe and is like citizens you are here to witness the rise of jobu topaki she knows all of our lives all of our past presents and futures and what will happen to us and jobu topaki is ultimately like kind of goofy here in this first duck 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 and then goose and when she touches michelle yo's head you get this montage of like all of her different lives screaming and like it looked like kind of like a cake or something like that, like mushing together. And then boom, Michelle Yeoh is dead in a baby costume. And she's having fun with the fact that she's dead, gets up and is like, well, it wasn't her. That's not the one I'm looking for, but she might be close. And let me just say the editing in the sequence where she tilts her head and finger and tilts it back. That's fucking incredible. That shot is like shit I would dream to do. And they actually did it. That was so fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. Bro, uh, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, especially since I've only seen it once at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Joe Butapaki? Yeah, right? Joe Butapaki, yeah. She's, yeah. She's like just a fucking cartoon, mm -hmm. right? Like, we're gonna talk about her more. I just appreciate just like this invincible villain, just like straight up just because like you can even see it like um when she's like scraping like the walls and her nail polish just keeps on changing mm -hmm. and also like throughout this entire movie like her fashion also changes as well yeah fuck uh th this is probably one of my favorite villains this year and yeah. we just got riddler in the batman so I should, yeah i should say the reason that I like this villain is because thematically it works better than like most comic book villains or even like most villains in general because like as just a stand, the thematicness to Jobu Topaki makes a lot of sense because essentially she's kind of the manifestation of all of the hopes and dreams of joy just kind of thrown out the window and only looking at like the negative in everything in life but also looking at it in like a really dark and goofy way obviously because that's her character and from the start like when we get this intro it's kind of like okay this villain is going to be way different than anything we've had in like the past 20 years of like movie villains and they just run away with it it's great um but i want to talk about this next great sequence which is where evelyn and alpha wayman are just kind of talking to little bit she's like well explain the multiverse to me i don't really understand what's going on here and he pulls out this phone where he shows like here is your universe here is a bridge universe basically if you do something kind of weird you can use this bridge universe as a slingshot to go to this random universe that's calculated to get some sort of special skill or power and at first she doesn't really understand it she doesn't understand what the alphaverse is so he explains that the alphaverse essentially was like where the original evelyn decided to uh neuralink minds from alternate uh, <laughs> alternate realities 
And ultimately, she pushed a lot of younger minds to go out there and start pushing themselves a lot more to explore the different multiverses. Well, she ended up pushing her own daughter Joy too far and frying her brain, so much so to the point where she experiences every reality, every moment, every particle, everything, and it's made her hollow inside and basically quote-unquote dead inside that she feels nothing or really not even a thing at all. And ultimately, the entire goal is that Alpha Wayman believes that Michelle Yeoh can destroy this version of Joy that is called Jobu Topaki and save the multiverse. And again, Evelyn doesn't really believe it at first. She's like, no, you're just pulling my leg or everything like that. And there's another great moment in the movie where the two of them kind of stop at this little crafts table and he's grabbing all of like these dairy products and stuff and he's like all of the cows were killed off in my universe i didn't get to experience any of this and it just kind of shows like alpha wayman might be the serious version that evelyn was always seeking but he still does have like that little bit of like goofiness and whimsicalness inside of him which is why i love the complexity of this character as i mentioned yeah um yeah kihi kwan basically yeah he had to act like an eagle there basically yeah uh, where he's essentially the leader that guides this evelyn to develop into like the strongest being ever yeah and, yeah so good day. Uh, this leads to them going down the staircase into this office room where in the background with the lights flickering you can see jamie lee curtis sitting there she gets up and she staples something to her forehead which allows her to of course do something weird and gain powers from an alternate reality of herself she sucks her little gut in and goes to like a like skinny fit version of herself basically and just power charges at them and in this entire sequence it's really kind of funny because jamie lee curtis is terrifying and i never thought i'd say that about her playing like a character ever but she is literally terrifying like i was like oh my god if she like gets her hand on either of them she could just like brutally fucking murder them and one thing that I love about this sequence is we get Alpha Wayman exploring more about how like, hey, you need to paper cut your individual fingers four times in order to sh uh, slingshot into this universe where you can be like a break dancer or something. And he's trying to do it and he can't. And ultimately, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis finds him and is going to do a backbreaker because she has wrestling moves. He grabs an exit sign and blocks his back from being broken with it, hurting Jamie Lee Curtis's leg. And he's trying to jump to the next reality, but he can't. He's trapped in another room by Jamie Lee Curtis. She slides some file cabinets in front of him and overcomes running Michelle Yeoh. That's like, I need you to help me. And he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't think that you're the real Evelyn that I'm looking for. So I'm going to go. And so this leads into him going back into regular Wayman, her husband that comes out and is like, what is going on, honey? I don't understand like what's happening at all. And Michelle Yeoh is trying really hard in the sequence too, to like jump around and figure out where she needs to go. And her best bridge path is to profess her love to Deatry. And in the sequence, she's like basically just going, I love you, and it's not working. You're like, I love you, I love you, and it's just not happening at all. And in the moment where Jamie Lee Curtis jumps off a railing with her leg extended and her arm ready to basically kick Evelyn in the face, she finally professes her love, jumps to a reality where she basically became a kung fu movie actress and she became a big Hollywood star, and she utilizes these powers to beat the shit out of Jamie Lee Curtis. But even after doing this, tempted to stay in that reality she continues to look at what her life would look like there and she has probably one of like the most wow fuck you lines in the entire movie where she looks at wayman when he's back as his regular uh self and goes i just saw my life without you and it was so much better and that kills because you can see in the face of wayman like he wants to say something but ultimately doesn't he turns around and then all alpha wayman comes back and this starts the temptation of Evelyn 
wanting to stay in other realities where she's really successful. Because you have to understand too, this has to play into. Well, well wait, before I actually talk about that arc there, just want to shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis. She actually did that stunt where she's like suspended in air. Oh, did she? Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, they had like entire like wires and stuff attached to her to pull that off basically it's so fucking awesome anyway yeah, that's cool so about the relationship between waymond and evelyn is it was it technically was waymond that did um initiate the divorce papers right it was his idea and it evelyn was like super like sad about that right because like she wanted to stay with him but um yeah there was even a point in time when it's like i never said i didn't love you Mm -hmm. this was actually told um in between the fight when she was trying to find her kung fu powers actually right Mm -hmm. because like um she failed she failed to say i love you and then she pressed the yellow button and that sent her to a universe where she's still like depressed yeah so yeah and then she finally found a universe where she didn't need him right yeah but this does play into the unpredictability of this arc because i do think that this movie does play around with like really unpredictable plot lines Mm -hmm. right as soon as you think something's gonna happen it just like pulls a 180 and slaps you in the face because this this one moment where she thinks that um, she doesn't need Waymond in order to succeed in life, like that will be subverted in like a later scene, and it kind of just plays into how, like, I love these arcs basically, and I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> and so after Alpha Wayman comes back, the two of them go downstairs. But Joy is once again looking into her other life path and then begins to notice that there is a version of Wayman there that's like mostly pretty successful. And she kind of like looks at him and is like, well, weren't you supposed to like stay over in America or like you were just going to remain as like a loser for the rest of your life? And he's like, well, I guess I got lucky. And the two of them kind of bond a little bit. But then a pair of handcuffs is thrown on Evelyn by her uh kung fu master and then in reality it turns out she's being cuffed by the police because deidre's like what did you do to me how did i get blood on this did you punch me in the face again why is this stable to my forehead and we're back in that version of reality and alpha wayman's like no 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 you need to find another uh bridge to jump to you need to do this and then he ultimately gets shocked out of it and he can only watch basically as a pedestrian in the Alphaverse what evelyn is going to do in this next moment but then we get an intro properly to our villain Jobu Depaki that comes down this elevator, walks out in like a little rock star outfit basically with a pig. And at first the cops is like, okay, like you need to put your hands in the air. You can't do this, whatever. And she hates that word can't. She's like, I can do whatever I want basically. She messes with the police for a little bit. And then when she gets tired finally of the word can't, she grabs the one cop's face. All of the lights and stuff in the scene go crazy makes him throw up confetti and then turns him into confetti ultimately walks right through him the other cop comes over to do something and she grabs his gun and is like i can be anywhere i need to be her other face comes out of the back of her head 
she basically vapes the gun, grabs the guy, turns them into basically like samba dancers, in which the other cop ends up shooting the other cop in this samba outfit, which is hilarious within itself. And then the other cop that's there in the scene, she goes, power kicks, and then goes up to Evelyn, and she's like, wait a minute, you're you're my daughter, Jobu Tupac, and she's like, oh, you finally figured it out. But she gets shot, and she starts faking like, I'm gonna die, Evelyn, it's gonna be okay, because it's organic, and her blood wait, is basically- wait, you forgot, you forgot one more cop that, uh, that died, actually. Like, how he got, like, pwned. Because, like, after he turned the, um, the second cop into like a like a into like a dancer that gets shot like she turns into like a fucking like luchador and yeah. like just like mm-hmm. uh what's the move like he basically just like slams the guy's head into the floor yeah breaks and that's head. like something straight out of wwe mm-hmm. because um yeah i remember talking to another person it's like yeah, there's just, like, so many love letters to just, like, action in general. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, yeah. Like, uh, like uh, WWE, uh, I remember this one name was thrown around, like, Scott Hall. Yeah, Scott Hall was thrown around, yep. Uh, and, well, I I don't know my WWE uh, lingo, so I'm not gonna act like I know it. So, but still... There's just so many things that I can't wait to talk about yeah. um, in terms of the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And the last cop, after shooting her and she reveals it's ketchup, they play the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia music for a little bit. Then she grabs his baton, turns it into a dildo, another baton into a dildo, and beats the shit out of this cop with the two dildos. And it is basically a slow-mo, like, this is your villain for the movie, this wacky character that is Jobu Tupaki. And at first, she's just kind of messing with Evelyn a little bit, and Evelyn's like, you're the reason my daughter gets bad grades, she gets tattoos, and the reason my daughter is gay. And then everything stops for a minute, she's like, seriously, you're still hung up on the fact that even in this universe I like girls? And she's like, you really haven't fucking changed a bit, basically. Toys with Evelyn for a little bit, and is like, okay, let's get this over with. Well, then Evelyn stops her. She makes like little Looney Tune sounds like throwing her hat at her and whatnot. And Evelyn's like, don't make me fight you. I'm really good at fighting. And she's like, okay, I don't believe yeah. that for a minute. And this because... leads... What's that? No, yeah, I just wanted to... Because I said um, like how much I love Joe Butsupaki as a villain. Mm-hmm. It's because, as you were mentioning, she's like straight up a cartoon character. Right? Yeah. Like... It's so menacing just to have, like, this invincible force just be, like, the funniest thing ever. Because she's a cartoon. Because, like, I'm always kind of against, um, like, live-action adaptations of, like, say, like, some cartoon uh, adaptations, right? Like, there's a reason why Space Jam doesn't really hold up in the grand scheme of things. Right, but somehow they were able to pull this off because, like, yeah, like sound editing, like she like throws her hat and it's just like a, it just comes straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon episode. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, well, Evelyn tries to think of like a random thing that she can do, basically that's weird, 
and I forget what she does that's really weird in the moment, but she, like she is able to jump, but she jumps ultimately to one of the wrong dimensions that's off the map, and it's the trailer shot where everybody has hot dog fingers, and there was a misstep in human evolution where everybody gained hot dog fingers for some reason, and they even show like a bunch of like gorillas fighting each other with hot dog fingers, killing everybody with normal fingers to just like communicate how wild this is. And then in the laundromat, at the beginning of the movie, they're showing this uh, movie on the TV with these two people, and they have hot dog fingers, and they're sucking on each other's hot dog fingers with ketchup and mustard, and Jamie Lee Curtis comes walking up with her hot dog fingers and puts her arm around her, and she's like, who the hell are you? And like the two of them fight a little bit, and we cut back to Evelyn and like her little uh, multiversal self, and she's just like T-Rex slapping her in the face with her fingers and stuff. And Jobu Tapaki is like, you know what? I'm going to open up your mind here a little bit. Let me show you like what reality really means. And she does this thing with her hands, which is a really cool framing device where she opens her hands up and Evelyn's hands up to reveal this just all white room, kind of like almost like a heaven almost area, right? And everybody's wearing these white cloaks. They got face masks on and everything. And as they're walking through it a little bit, Evelyn's kind of like, what the hell is going on here and stuff? And she's like, well, one day I decided to put everything on a bagel. All of my report cards, all my hopes and dreams, every breed of dog, poppy seeds, salt, like all of this random stuff, basically. And it collapsed in on itself. And she realized, like, through this bagel, yeah, life's kind of meaningless. And that it doesn't matter that we have all of these different lives that we can live or, like, all of these different realities in which we're successful. None of it's going to matter because all of the bad things in it are going to prevent us from, like, ever feeling like we're really reaching some sort of potential. And ultimately, this is kind of the exposition that opens up Jobu Topaki as a kid character because she is just the manifestation of joy that never got acceptance from her mother and always felt like she was basically a freak or somebody that reality deemed not worthy and so she decided to just look at reality as like well life sucks anyways none of this matters so i'm gonna treat it all as if it's one big joke and we're all just basically gonna die one day and it kind of shows michelle yo a little bit like no joy like you have so much to do life has so much meaning in it but then she's also mesmerized by the bagel. She's starting to get into that temptation a little bit. Not before Gong Gong comes and just wheelchair launches Joy into the wall. And we get this great reveal where she's like, Dad? And she's like, I am not your father. I would never be your father. He puts a shoe up by the nose of Waymond. And Waymond wakes up as Alpha Waymond. And the two of them go off. But I just want to talk about that moment again. The way it sets the stage of like what Jobu Topaki is going to be in the film going on. What did you think of that? Honestly, it's well, yeah, it's cinema, frankly. It's so, and yeah, I like how you mentioned it's like a really good framing device, right? Because yeah. also, just like for some reason, it's a bagel, right? <laughs> yeah. Into a bagel, it, you can tell that like this story is like told from like somewhat of a personal experience, at least, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of like imagination, it doesn't feel like it's like manufactured at all, mm-hmm. right? It has a vision, it knows where it's where it wants to go, basically. Oh, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, well, Gong Gong leads them into another room 
where he basically is talking about how like this Evelyn isn't the one she's not worthy she almost fell for the temptation I'm not gonna risk saving everything for her and then Alpha Wayman's like you're wrong this is the Evelyn because this version of Evelyn never <laughs> reached any of her goals and dreams she's a loser basically she basically is living a worthless life and that's what makes her so perfect because she never reached her potential in any other reality and makes her perfect to be the hero of this story and of course, Gong Gong doesn't believe in it because to get into Alpha Gong Gong a little bit, he basically blames Evelyn for what happened to Joy and ultimately thinks like there is no redeeming qualities to Evelyn because of what has happened to his granddaughter, basically. And so ultimately, he's very cynical every time that Wayman's like, this could be the new Evelyn. This could be the one that finally leads us out of the multiverse and saves us all. But he's always so cynical about it because Evelyn is never willing to do the one thing that he asks. And I'll get to that in a minute because there's a great family bonding moment here. Alpha Gong Gong goes away because they hear Joy banging on the door and he's like, it's one of her tricks. No, don't fall for it or anything like that. We have to go. So him and Wayman go away and it's back to default Wayman, the fun loving dad Wayman, like I said, who opens the door. Joy comes in and Michelle Yeoh starts wrapping around a bunch of tape on her and tapes her to a chair and begins to go on this whole rant about how they're all being controlled in their mind and whatnot. It's like raccoons on their head, like like that movie with the raccoons on your head. And of course, Wayman's like, are you talking about Ratatouille? And they all kind of bond over that moment. They have like a nice family moment where they all connect over this big communication of raccoons on their heads. Yeah, Rekakuni. And it's it's a really sweet moment. It's really sweet to kind of watch this family bond a little bit. And Michelle Yeoh is called over by Gong Gong for a second. And it's Alpha Gong Gong who's like, hey, take this multi-tool here and stick it in the side of her neck. You have to kill Joy. There's no other thing that we can do to save this reality besides killing her. And ultimately, it looks like in that moment, Michelle Yeoh might do it because she's like, well, I've got to defeat this great evil. But she can't bring herself to kill her own daughter and just cuts the tape off of her and lets her out of the chair, which does show the humanity here in a little bit that Evelyn truly does love Joy. Like she really does love Joy. She just always struggles to find a way to show it to her. And I think that's brilliant too, because it is showing the progression of her arc because Evelyn at the beginning of the movie probably would have stabbed her daughter if she was told all this stuff by Alpha Gong Gong before Waymond. But what's brilliant here is like she is showing like this is my daughter. She's not some sort of horrible monster. Like I do have faith in her a little bit. But I kind of love that she doesn't kill him even though Gong Gong ultimately does pull out a gun and is like you can't be trusted blah blah blah. Like you're just like all the other Evelyns. You're going to get everybody killed in here. And Evelyn tries to do random things in this moment to like get magical powers or something like that and the one thing that she can do is she basically takes a booger on gong gong's nose puts it in his mouth jumps to a universe where she's basically like a maid that's cleaning up for this guy that i don't i don't even want to describe it as basically like he's being sex tortured and she ultimately finds out like there's a secret door behind this wall and she smacks alpha gong gong with this brandy that's on the table she opens up the door and all of them go in there and alpha gong gong's like we have to call all the other jumpers in the area we have to stop this version of evelyn and as they're in the closet we get another great family bonding moment where evelyn tries to talk to joy about scared and you have these mixed feelings inside and you feel like you're worthless and like there isn't anything for you but the raccoon inside your head choo choo chewbacca i'm gonna get rid of it and joy's like once again my mom's making a joke out of the situation she's not listening to me and wayman's like what you're saying doesn't make any sense like you gotta understand like we're all trying to bond over this one thing and it leads into evelyn once again not paying attention to them going over to this feather duster turning it on making yourself sneeze and gaining powers 
in another framing device that's so cool that goes from widescreen to full screen to widescreen again, then back to full screen, where she becomes a, su- a successful singer that was blind when she was little. And in this great moment, with this great moment where I hope it's Michelle Yeoh is actually like singing this song that's going on, she blindly beats up most of these guys in this. And it is a really great reference. Yeah, Daredevil reference. It's a really great action sequence in this moment. And I also love how another way she gains powers to be a sign twirler is she basically swallows like this little, I don't know what it was, like rock creature that was on the desk. And she gains the abilities to take the shield, twirl it around and beat them all with it. And once again, great action sequence, great framing, great everything. Little CGI on the shield, obviously. But besides that, most of it was practical. Yeah, yeah, it's a good action scene. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a good action scene. But are you going to ignore the fact that we got another Ave Maria in the cinemas? Yeah, we basically did. (laughs) It's so cool. I remember pogging because I saw this by myself um, in theaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, like I said, in a theater, less than 20 people. I like cracked up when I just because yeah, this is like they're all preparing to uh, to jump, right? Because you need to do something weird in order to pull off like a jump, yeah, to like from something to something, yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, I I just laughed out loud when I just heard another Ave Maria, or just like somebody else singing Ave Maria in. The movie and it's so good i can't wait to rewatch this yeah all of the <laughs> jumping pads are wonderful one singing ave maria one guy was like fucking some sort of stuffed animal in the background another guy's printing his ass on a copier another guy's <laughs> wait, 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 wait. really yeah effing <laughs> uh oh my god yeah a pig in the I background guy looking a well another guy who's printing his ass i think somebody else was like smoking a shit ton of cigarettes in the background i was like wow okay so everybody does have different jumping pads <laughs> um but it's a great moment obviously like i said um yeah and this ultimately leads to a moment where michelle yo starts to come into her powers a little bit because She's running out of there. She goes into the break room and it's this lady. Her only name in the movie is Big Nose, mind you. That is from the beginning of the movie. She's basically like kind of really short with Michelle Yeoh. She's like, I called three times about my dry cleaning and she's on the phone with somebody and she has one of those like little dogs in like a little stroller. You know, it's like the people that basically pamper the shit out of their little dogs, like make them kids practically the way they spoil them and stuff. Yeah, Um, it's one of those little dogs. And it's really funny because in this other multiversal reality of herself, she used, she literally <laughs> swings it around in the air on a leash and then throws it kind of like it's a shuriken or something. And it's obviously like a fake dog, but you kind of look past that because of how funny it is. And it goes zooming into a fridge, which Michelle Yeoh shuts. She drinks orange soda. And the two of them, like the regular Wayman and the regular Joy, start to piece it together. Like every time she does something weird, she gains power. So she drinks all of this orange soda in which she jumps into a reality where she's like a really good chef, basically. And she's able to do all of these things with like different blades and whatnot. And so she grabs a wooden spoon. And I think it was like, I I don't know what it was, but some sort of like kitchen tool or something. And she's able to cut the line of the dog being thrown at her. And it's hilarious because the dog bounces off one of the cubicles and goes flying. And it's just, it's hilarious. I'm not going to No dogs were, no animals were harmed in the production of this movie. (laughs) No, luckily not. Um, 
And then we get another great moment where another one of the alpha jumpers shows up and fights Michelle Yeoh. And ultimately she's like, well, I gotta, I gotta fight him off and everything. Well, they end up knocking each other in the earpieces for a second. And the one alpha jumper's like, sir, where, where do I go? I don't know what I'm doing. Cause they, they slap each other for a little bit cause they don't have their <laughs> powers. And then Michelle Yeoh looks over at the table because it's hinted at earlier in the movie, like auditors get these best auditor of the year awards, basically. If they get to see some shit. Yeah, if they see some shit, if they see some stories. And the guy looks over at it and he pulls down his pants and I was like, oh my God. And most of the audience had the exact same reaction where Michelle Yeoh <laughs> is trying to stop this guy from sticking the award up his ass. And it's a great moment because as the two of them are fighting, uh, Wayman and Joy are like, just, just blow on his nose or something. You know, it'll make him scream for a little bit, but at least you'll be able to gain powers. But not before this other security guard guy comes jumping full dick out and everything and lands <laughs> the trophy up his ass and gains powers and Michelle Yeoh does blow on the guy's nose she gains powers once again and then ultimately begins fighting and then we see a little bit later the alpha jumper that earlier was up his ass ends up putting a whole ass trophy up his ass I don't know how that's possible but he does it yeah it's just off screen too don't worry about it yeah <laughs> And then it's it's these two guys with their pants off with shit up their ass, basically, fighting Michelle Yeoh in this really great sequence. And it's wonderful. Choreography's great. And we get this awesome slow-mo moment where she grabs both of the items in their asses and pulls it out. And the two of them go flying and lose their powers, ultimately. And it's, it's just so freaking cool. I loved everything about that. Uh, like, can we talk about, like, the development of just like how chaotic things are but like you're able to follow it right you're able to follow this chaos mm -hmm. it starts out as like this like slice of life family dramedy well no we'll, we'll just call it a family drama mm -hmm. i guess yeah into like pure absurdity just like something that you can only see from like an adult swim like animation yeah it's so crazy dude it is so this ultimately leads into alpha wayman coming back for a little bit and he begins talking to joy about like you're finally figuring out you're reaching your full potential you're actually going to be able to maybe beat jobu Tupaki. but then he falls over and he's kind of sitting there like oh no we've been found out in the alpha verse because there was a moment in the movie that it cuts back to in the alpha verse where jobu Tupaki does find alpha waymond and all them and it looks like she's crashed the car killed almost everybody inside besides alpha waymond and in this moment he's like i'm so glad that like god gave me these final moments to be with you like i wouldn't have rather been with anybody else and he goes in for a kiss but not before he dies and then it's back to default Wayman, the nice, funny dad Wayman. And Michelle Yeoh's like, oh, it's just him again. Because ultimately, she did find, like, the version of Wayman that she always kind of wanted. But now he's gone and it's back to default Wayman. And she's just like, oh, it's my loser husband, basically. Well, as she gets up, here comes Jobu Tapaki, And she's like, wow, great job. You're figuring out your powers and all that, basically. And Michelle Yeoh's like, I'm going to defeat you, Jobu Tapaki, And I'm going to prevent you from making my daughter evil. And once again, Jobu Tapaki's like, you just don't get it, do you? Like, I'm not the entirety of, like, what makes your daughter evil. Do you even look in the mirror or anything like that? And Michelle Yeoh, much like the warning in the beginning of the movie, is trying to use all of her clay pots at once, all of her different branches of reality to like manifest into kicking Jobu Tupaki's ass. Her brain overflows, her clay pot breaks, and she dies. And we get a fake out ending. Wait, what do you mean? That is the ending. 
Oh yeah, that is the ending. I mean, yeah. there were there were people that did get up and leave, so it was the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so sad. And thank you for having me on here, by the way. Yeah, this is great. I'll uh, send you back to the Sonic Dimension now. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for this edition of Hayden's Entertainment Hour. We shall see you next time. Okay. Wait. <laughs> there was something there, wasn't there? Like at the end. <laughs> Yeah, like at the supposed end, right? Yeah, there was something else. I guess we can talk about that. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you guys want to hear about it, it's it's nothing big, you know. But it's we'll like just this talk big post credit scene, you know, like MCU it's, stuff. Yeah. You know so, um, basically, after the fake out ending, we cut to Evelyn in the universe where she had become the movie star, basically, and she's with uh, Wayman in this universe, who's really successful, like we said earlier. And she goes running out like, "Where's my daughter? Where's all of this?" And as she's going around, she's like jumping through all of the different realities and lives and stuff. And we get a great joke. This is probably one of my favorite jokes in the entire thing. Where she shows Uh up in the back of the kitchen. And it's actual Rakakuni on the top of this guy's head. And they're singing a song, which is legit a song. If you go on Spotify, you can listen to this song. It is an actual song with Randy Newman. It's great. But like, it's like a Disney song where the two of them are bonding over cooking, right? Well, Disney Pixar movie. Yeah. yeah. So the the raccoon hears like Michelle Yeoh in the background make a bunch of noise <laughs> trying to get out of the room, and he turns around and, he's, and the guy's like, "You can't, you can't say anything, you can't say anything." And the raccoon's <laughs> like, "She's seen too much. We have to kill her." <laughs> and they go charging at her with the piece of equipment, and ultimately she jumps back into her mundane life at the laundromat. And this is part two, which is everywhere. And we're going to talk about this because this is where the movie starts to get really heavy with its themes for a little bit. So they're back oh, at the yeah. laundry, they're back at the laundromat, and they're all setting up for the party. And Wayman's like, "Hey, remember, you have got to deliver that audit and all of these taxes to the auditor by this certain time. Remember this." And he's like pressing her about it, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I'll do it." And ultimately, she goes out and is looking around like all of the party decorations. But then Joy comes walking up to her with Becky, and the first thing she does is like, "I know you're in there, Joe Butapaki. I know you're messing with my daughter's head." And Joy's like, "Are you already drunk, Mom? Like, what's wrong with you?" Blah blah blah. But then. Jobu Tapaki does come in, does the little head tilt, and is like, hey, Becky, can you go help my dad? Thank you. And the two of them start talking a little bit about, like, hey, why have you? Why are you doing this to my daughter? Where am I and stuff? And she's like, well, you're back in your mundane reality and everything, and I just want to open up your mind and show you, like, none of this means anything. And we get, like, a great moment where the two of them, like, go through these different realities. Like, there's literally a transition where they walk back into the apartment and it cuts into, like, this old, like, Japanese-style kind of like film sort of thing where it's in widescreen and she pulls out this katana that switches into like a billion different things she's like you do understand like anything in the multiverse can be changed it's all just like pointless particles and whatnot that i could kick your ass with she kicks her into like a jail cell universe they start like mini fighting with each other for a little bit they turn into piandas yeah (laughs) um (laughs) they they turn into all of this wacky stuff and ultimately it leads to them being back in the apartment where she's like i want you to hit me i want you to smack me for a second and in this moment michelle yo goes for a punch it cuts to all of like these different realities where they're doing like weird stuff and then she falls on the couch and is like ow wow i can't believe you did that and wayman walks in he's like are you okay honey she's like yeah dad i just fell on the couch and michelle yo is like we're just practicing the choreography and karaoke for tonight you know he's like okay well you still got to deliver the audit by this time and it's like it's okay and then michelle yo's like wait a minute if you're just toying with me and you don't want to kill me 
then why do you want me to be here? And so she's like, well, come and sit on the crack of the couch. So Michelle Yeoh sits on the crack of the couch, falls through, and we go back to almost the heaven white place where everybody's in all of like the face masks and white robes and stuff. And behind this curtain is the bagel. And basically, Joy starts opening up a little bit like, well, remember how I said like the multiverse has all of these different realities like where we're really successful. But if you think about it, like, what does it all really mean? You know, if you're never going to be accepted for who you are in this reality, if there's always going to be dark moments, if there's never going to be like a happy moment with any of this, then what's the point of it all really? And Evelyn slowly starts going into the bagel a little bit more because as we see in the reality, things are falling apart around her. She gets really drunk at the New Year's party. And she starts basically making an ass of herself in front of everybody. She starts talking about taxes and how we're all going in circles and about how nothing really matters in life. And she grabs the divorce paper that Wayman has and signs it. And she's just being like a real asshole. And one of the best moments in the movie is when she's on the phone with Deidre that's like, you didn't even have the audacity to drop off your paperwork and tax reform and everything like that. And she's like, shut up, you don't matter, anything like that. And Deidre on the phone is like, you did not just talk to a federal agent like this. And she hangs up on her. And Deidre comes into the scene a little bit later with a bunch of cops. Is like, there they are. There are the delinquents. There are the immigrants that are not paying their taxes. They're horrible human beings and stuff. And it leads into Michelle Yeoh grabbing a baseball bat going towards Deidre and then looking at the window pane of the laundromat and saying, I have always hated it here and breaking the window. And it just kind of shows like Michelle Yeoh fully starts to understand like, wow, in all of the different realities, shit's also happening too. Like in the hot dog fingers dimension, like we talked about earlier, her and Deidre got married in that universe. They have like a really nice relationship, but Michelle Yeoh is uh, pulling away from her and is just basically showing like she doesn't ultimately love her. In the Rakakuni universe, she reveals that Rakakuni has been helping the chef guy out and Rakakuni gets taken away. In the universe where she's really successful with Wayman, she kisses him and then ultimately doesn't really feel anything about it. She's like, oh, you just want to rekindle some love that's not there anymore. And all of these different realities, basically, she's fucking it up. Ultimately, she's throwing away all of these good moments to basically live in one bad moment. And it begins to show Michelle Yeoh like, okay, I see what you're saying here a little bit. Like, life is always ultimately going to lead to these really shitty dull moments. And back in the laundromat, this is a great... This is a great moment. Yeah. So Michelle Yeoh is in handcuffs, right? Drops mm-hmm. to her knees, turns into a rock. And the movie cuts to the two of them as rocks on the side of a cliff with no sound, just captions. And Fahrenheit, what better person to explain this moment than you, I feel like? Do you want to go over just how beautiful this moment is? Bro. Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> right it's just like this is just like non-diegetic dialogue i never seen anything like this actually like it's it's literally just like a scene of just two rocks being filmed and like sometimes it moves to like from one rock to another uh i guess you can call that a critique because like the the dialogue is too choppy (laughs) joking (laughs) But, like, still, it's just, like, this bonding moment of just, like, these two rocks just finding their place in the world, right? Because, like, she, the daughter, um, Joe Putupaki, uh, did I say that right? Hopefully I did. Yeah, you said it, yeah, you said it right. <clears throat> yeah, 
Uh, she's basically just saying that life is meaningless, and this kind of just rekindles something in uh, in Evelyn's character. Mm-hmm. It's like she's starting to be more sympathetic. She's starting to swear more, trying to be more free. Uh, also, uh, I think wait, I think we did miss something when you were talking about like the other dimensions. Oh, which- Sun. Uh, you forgot the main one when she wakes up and you have like Gong Gong and all the other people like threatening to shoot her and like oh, Evelyn yeah, ends yeah. up da- yeah, yeah, stabbing yeah. Wang as she's signing the divorce papers. Yeah, I forgot about that, my bad. But um, there's yeah. a shit ton that goes on in this movie. So. I know, um, it's, so, it's so simple yet so complex and dense. Yeah. It's so weird and I love it. Yeah, so ultimately, after this rock sequence, like, Evelyn goes back to the reality where she's in handcuffs, and she sees, like, her husband is pleading with Deidre a little bit, he whispers something to her, and ultimately, it leads to Deidre being like, well, you can let her go, like, I understand, thank you for telling me this, and then he comes over and he's like, they're gonna give us another week to file the taxes, and uh, Evelyn's like, what did you say to him, or say to her, and he's like, all I did was talk to her, and this is a moment of realization for Evelyn, like, Maybe she always wanted that version of Raymond that was, like, never there in her life or was, like, perfect, like, Alpha Raymond or something like that. She always was searching for something like that, but never realized, like, despite all of her actual husband, Raymond's Raymond's flaws, sorry, I have, like, a half cough coming on. That's okay. (laughs) Anyways, um, she finally realizes, like, despite never really wanting him in her life, she does see ultimately like there is a lot of joy in having this version of Wayman. And she gets up, she hugs him, and the two of them bond because she realizes like Wayman does so much for her by showing love. And even in the reality, like you talked about, where Gong Gong and all of the other jumpers are like surrounding her, gonna kill her, she looks at Wayman and Wayman's like, Can't we just try to all love each other? Can't we all just not fight each other anymore? Don't you see that love is going to save us all? And in the reality where they're really successful, Wayman starts going on this monologue about like, you know, I always thought about the two of us being together. I always thought about we could make it in some ways because Evelyn earlier in the scene was like, you want to know what reality would be? We'd be doing taxes in our tiny apartment owning a laundromat. And Wayman looks at that moment and is like, you know what? I would have loved to be in a reality like that if it meant being with you. And it just shows like in this moment where Evelyn is like coming to full realization that like her Wayman is perfect and that having Wayman in her life does give her purpose to like find love and grow a little bit more humanly and stuff. She has this great moment where they're in the verse after she stabbed him, where he reaches for her hand, puts something in her hand, and it's one of the Google eyes, like googly eyes. And it's this great, just emotional moment where she looks at the googly eye and she just kind of sits there a little bit and processes it as they all shoot at her. And in this moment, she kind of sits there a little bit and realizes like there is purpose in life. And ultimately, this is what causes her to pull away from uh, Jobu Dupaki. And she's like, no, come on, come with me. We're doing this together. We're going to go into this void, this bagel. Like, we're not going to do this at all. And she's like, Michelle Yeoh's like, no, I want to love you. I want to be your mother. I realize with all of my flaws now, like, I have been pushing you away when I should have been pulling you forward. I should have been accepting you for all your flaws. And it's this great moment. 
and I just love it, where Jobu Dupaki is just kind of like caught off guard by it a little bit, and all of the other realities, like she slowly is starting to fix it. Like she even helps the chef by <laughs> putting the chef on her shoulders and controlling her hair and stuff. Like there are great moments like that where she's like fixing all of the mistakes that she has in the other uh, universes and stuff, but not before we get into the third act of the movie where it's just really nice this action sequence that goes on because she doesn't want to fight Jobu Tupaki or any of the minions she wants to show them love man I didn't even think about that when because like I was just too busy loving at the fact that like Wayman and uh Evelyn finally hug and and like because as I mentioned this is like juggling like a sci-fi action movie with like a with a family drama right yeah and it was that crucial moment when i'm like this is this is what the movie is building up to and i was like okay okay maybe that's the only time i'm gonna be like emotionally wrecked and then immediately like after well I, i'm gonna let you uh describe the action scenes and then i'll go into the arcs Okay. Basically, that are unexpectedly there when they need to be. Because yeah. I didn't even think that they would like tackle all of them. Anyways, continue. Yeah. So, <laughs> like I said, in the main reality, uh, Evelyn goes outside and sits with Deidre for a little bit. And in the multiversal reality where Deidre's coming up with, she <clears throat> tore off like this paper uh, clip thing and is gonna like basically cut her head off with it. She stops her because in the dimension where Evelyn's sitting outside with her, she's like, you know, I've gone through the same kind of divorce thing like you. Like I took my husband's uh, Kia Forte and drove it through my neighbor's kitchen and all that. She's like, I'm just an unlovable bitch, you know, like nobody wants to love me. I'm not worthy of it. And Evelyn's like, no, despite your flaws, you are lovable. And it cuts back to the hot dog dimension of themselves, which has this great little moment where like they use their hot dog fingers to like show emotion and stuff like that, but they use their feet to like get around and stuff like that. Like, it's, yeah, that was so weird. And, bro, I'm gonna admit it, that was like the second time that I like sobbed in theaters. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's like so stupid. You can laugh at it, it's fine. No, like, like it's, I think it's kind of meant to be like this bittersweet, funny ish kind of moment, but it's also like really emotionally impactful if you know what's going on. Since, yeah. This entire movie, like, um, she's, like, not really open. Like, she's open to it, but she's not embracing, like, just, like, gay rights, basically. Yeah. Right? Like, she didn't help um, Joy uh, introduce her girlfriend uh, properly. She just said, good friend. But, like, and, yeah, she blamed Ju Butapaki for her daughter being gay. And it took mm -hmm. her being, well, yeah, it did take her, like, a life with an IRS agent um, to, like, fall in love with, like, sausage fingers yeah. in this weird world to, like, embrace that. And I never saw this in a movie ever. And I guess that it just, like, that sidelined me for no reason. Mm -hmm. I thought that after this, we wouldn't get, like, that much development with another character until we did. And that's, like, literally the next one. Yeah. So, anyways, as Gong Gong is like, alright, I've, I've had enough of this stupid Google Eyes shit, like, shoot at her. Like, she takes all of the bullets and turns them into Google Eyes and throws them on him. And ultimately, 
all of the like goons are coming at her basically she grabs two of them makes them kiss like makes them a couple like that was kind of a really sweet moment there's another guy there who was like this kind of semi sort of like nice but creepy guy at the laundromat that's like evelyn you're wearing the exact same perfume my wife did and she takes this grenade that he's holding turns it into a perfume bottle and sprays them with it there's the sex addict guy <laughs> the way she helps him find his happily ever after is by basically giving dominating him, him. Wants, dominating him <laughs> uh and as she's going up she finally gets to the raccoon guy and is like, don't worry, I'm going to help you get your pet raccoon. And she gets on his shoulders and uses him to fight the way up, but not actually fight, but just show them love and give them each like their happily ever afters and everything. Ultimately, yeah. like it looks like this is going to be it. Like this is where all the happy moments are going to happen. But then exactly. Th- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things break down because here comes Gong Gong out of the wheelchair with like his little, I don't know how to describe it, like printer mecha suit. That he yeah, wraps he's just a straight up Mecca. <laughs> yeah. He wraps it around Michelle Yo and is like, I can't let you do it. You have to let her go. Like, we can't save the granddaughter, anything like that. And she finally, both in the actual world and here, stands up to her father and is like, I don't care if you look at me and say, like, I'm a, I'm worthless or like I'm a fuck up or anything like that, or you don't see me as worthy of your love or anything like that. I love my daughter for who she is. She is a mess just like me. And it's okay that we're messes, you know, because we're all human. And if you can't accept her for who she is, then I don't care about your approval or anything like that. She grabs Becky's hand. She grabs Joy's hand, who tries to pull away and is like, this is Becky. This is Joy's girlfriend, her girlfriend. And Joy does pull away and go outside because she's embarrassed. And you would think in this moment, right, that Gong Gong is going to like scoff or something like that like oh this is like disgusting that it's like a gay relationship or like oh you're just wrong like i'm in the right here but no gong gong in both the reality and in the multiversal world lets evelyn go because she he ultimately looks inside himself and goes maybe i'm wrong trying to seek like my own version of like approval or like what i want basically but i need to put that aside and realize like i shouldn't be the one dictating everyone's lives because this moment beautiful it was like a great moment where i was like oh my god that's perfect he grabs becky's hand yeah Yeah. he grabs becky's hand and goes girlfriend and she like cries laughing a little bit like what did he say and then we cut back to him a little bit later where she's pushing him around in the wheelchair and they're bonding like that was sweet that was a really sweet moment and evelyn goes up the steps to jobo topaki and jobo topaki is in a fighting stance and evelyn is like in a stance where she has her arms spread out and wants to love her they get into a nice little fight here for a second where they're cutting through different realities and different versions of themselves like fighting in different places and it leads to this great moment where jobo topaki is like stop fighting me evelyn you want this and evelyn's like don't call me evelyn i am your mother and we have the greatest moment in the movie fahrenheit the one that got me to cry where joy screams just stop and she's in front of her car and has this really emotional rant to her about how she's a mess and they just need to cut ties and everything like that and it hits so hard when michelle yo responds to it because yeah this entire moment it's like at one point you're thinking oh because like just based off the dialogue is this movie just like if you love somebody let them go Mm -hmm. right because like yeah it's like leave me alone i feel sick whenever i'm with you and i'm like oh so this is how it's gonna end and i just see both your both ah (laughs) (laughs) you think i wouldn't get used to this at this point yeah joe 
Botopaki. Wait. Yep. There you Bo- go. Jo- yeah, it's it's Jobutopaki. Jobutopaki. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you see her going into the bagel, but then it snaps her back. Right. Mm-hmm. And it shows like Gong Gong embracing Joy's girlfriend, and like just like Wayman like trying to like intervene, and just Evelyn assuring to Joy that like you, I know you love this family because you got a tattoo for us. You've done so many things. And at the end of the day, I will always be there. For, I will always want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think that because sure you can argue that in like some other universe, this would come out of nowhere. But this was developed, intertwined basically from like the action flick and this family drama, drama, and it was so beautiful. And then it just has so many cuts. Of things converging together, yeah. just as all the themes and arcs converge together at the very end, and it all happens all at once. Yeah, um, it's a brilliantly beautiful moment. Yeah, and I love Michelle Yeoh's entire speech about how like she doesn't she doesn't approve of all these things, but she doesn't care because she just wants like a loving relationship with her daughter and that she accepts her for who she is. And it's just it's a beautiful moment. Everything with that, but. I think this ultimately kind of is what made me just really appreciate this movie for what it was. Because they even have a shot where, like, Joy is, like, coming out of, like, the the bagel, basically. She's, like, reaching out. Michelle Yeoh grabs her and is, like, trying to pull. And then Gong Gong's behind her with the mecha suit helping. And then here comes Raymond behind her. It's a beautiful shot where the whole family's trying to help pull Joy out of it. I love that. Um, and another thing, too, that is great is, like, the movie could have just ended after that. Like, the two of them bonding. But we do see like a little bit of the resolution after this, which is kind of nice, which is that, you know, part three is all at once. Joy is finally helping the family with the tax and audit situation. Becky takes them to the auditor's place and like they're really approving of her. They leave cookies for her. Michelle Yeoh just, you know, is kind of a mom in the moment. She's like, Becky, you need to grow your hair out and then walks away and they go into the auditor's office. But before they go up the stairs... Waymond and uh, Waymond and Evelyn have a moment where the two of them like stare into each other's eyes like lovers. They go up. Jamie Lee Curtis is like, "Okay, this is an improvement," but she says something like, "But it's not an improvement in this area or something." And the last thing that we see is Evelyn looking around because she can hear all of these voices in her head. And then once again, we hear Jamie Lee Curtis say, "Mrs. Wang, are you paying attention?" And she goes in her last line, "I'm sorry. What did you say?" And then the movie ends on that note. It's a really ambiguous and powerful ending. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm sure that there's like future theories. That's probably going to be like, did this action thing even happen? Since think about it, everybody basically died except for Joy. And it's this entire movie can be seen in like a family drama setting. Yeah. Where it's like just accepting of... Yeah, just like accepting uh, generational trauma and overcoming it, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah, this movie does end in a very simple note. And I really love that. Um, You can, because we do get a lot of bittersweet endings or just like bitter endings sometimes, like bummer ones. Yeah, we really do sometimes. Especially with like uh, The Lighthouse or... uh, 
or Red Rocket, I believe. That one came out this past year. And where it's just like, yeah, sometimes, because yeah, um, visceral movies are sometimes like peak cinema as well. I just love this, how they're able to wrap all this up. Basically. Yeah, it's beautiful. a really good co tie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's ultimately why I just love this movie so much is because you can rewatch it and you're going to pick up something every single time. Like the themes of it are great. The, the premise of the movie itself might be too much for some people, but that's not what you should go into it thinking. You shouldn't think, oh, this is going to be way too much and it's going to be bad. You should go into it open minded. Like I only watched the first trailer and I went, I don't want to see anything more. I don't want to read on it. I just want to go in blind. Do you know what? That's a pretty good mindset, frankly. Yeah, and I do. I try to do that with every A24 film. The only one that I w- ever went like really hard into studying was Uncut Gems, and it was simply because Adam Sandler was attached to it, and I went, oh my god, no. But then I started to think a little bit in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, why did the Safties pick him? And then I did my whole research on why the Safties picked him, what the movie represented, like why Adam Sandler ultimately took the script, why you know Adam Sandler's like an underrated actor when he gets a script, and that's ultimately what made me love the movie and call it my favorite a24 film and with this now i want to study up on the movie i want to know all of the secrets behind it i want to know the choices they made like all the actors perspectives on it because ultimately this might become like either my first or second a24 film over time and i haven't seen the lighthouse in a couple years and i probably should re-watch it to see if it still holds up because that's always been my number two but like man this is such a fucking good movie because, yeah, it's like, how the fuck did they shoot this in 39 days? Mm-hmm. Like, That's the craziest part. 39 days in, like, roughly one location. Yeah, two locations, basically. A laundry and an office. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I could gush about this movie all day, frankly. Um, I can't wait to see it again. Uh, I'm planning on seeing it with my family this time. Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, if I've seen yeah. the bat, if I've seen the Batman three times, I would expect myself to see this a third time. So, which is a shame, though. Actually, this sh- this is only showing in like what, like twelve hundred screens. Yeah, the US, li- I think. literally, there are five theaters around me, and only one picked it up. I was like, wow, okay. And so, every time I've seen the movie, it's been sold out. Like it's been a full crowd. So, like this should show these theater chains, like, hey this indie film's making noise or like a24 makes noise with its movies why the hell are you not giving this more screeners like even x got a shit ton of screeners and there was like nobody in the theaters i just want to say please give this movie a chance because this is possibly gonna be like i'm gonna just like say it's probably gonna be like more ambitious than this new multiverse of badness movie coming out (laughs) not to say that marvel movies are bad and i still love them i still show for them but man this is tight yeah i (laughs) right yeah i know there are gonna be people that are like it's too weird or too far gone i'll just see multiverse of madness but like you gotta understand there's a difference between creative freedom and what disney churns out every once in a while i'm sure sam raimi will do a great job though because he had input on it but like You can't just keep supporting comic book movies, and then when you're really sick of comic book movies, one day you go, well, what happened to all of the indie films that were coming out? Well, you know why the indie films weren't coming out anymore? Because you didn't support films like this. Exactly. Um, It's one of the reasons why I sort of just fell in love with, like, say, Wes Anderson's 
filmography mm -hmm. and just like A24's filmography in general. Like I know it's made by different uh, artists. Uh, Hereditary, Midsummer. I love Ari Aster's work. I remember. Um, that's like the main one. That, and yeah, uh, Green Knight as well. I think. Yeah. What else has he made? If I remember correctly. You're talking about Ari Aster? Uh, no, no, the person that made the Green Knight. Or am I thinking? Oh, D uh, David Lowry. Uh, he did a ghost story and. Um... Oh, shit, I forget the other one, but he made a ghost story, which is another A24 film. Because um, the director for The Lighthouse and The Witch are the same, correct? Yes, yeah, Robert Eggers. And he's working yeah. with uh, Focus Features to do The Northman this year, which should point that out. A lot of people think The Northman's an A24 film. It is not. There's no way A24 mm -hmm. would have the budget to do The Northman, so it makes sense why he went to Focus Features. Of course. Yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, continue. Yeah, this so this is obviously like I said, damn near probably one of the best movies this year. It's probably my favorite movie this year. It probably jumps the Batman. Um, so I'll just say right now, like this is one of the best thematic movies. Everybody in this is giving a powerhouse performance. If you just want something so different that doesn't feel like any other like movie that's come out in the past, like if you don't want to go see Sonic 2, go see this because this is such a damn good movie and so underrated. Uh Wait, hold on. What did I put for? I'm reading my letterbox, kinda. No, that's like just paraphrasing it. Yeah. Because yeah, but I thought that the story was pretty tight, but it's also really sprawled out and left for interpretation. Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Like... Yeah, I think the only complaint that I had, because it is a nine out of ten, is what I gave it is um i kind of wish the first act was tighter a little bit because the first act ends at 90 minutes and then that's the end of part one and part two comes in after 90 minutes and part three doesn't show up until the last five minutes of the movie so yeah and that's where i'm thinking it's like is that technically intentional it because, probably yeah yeah and i know that's gonna be like that's going to be what's debated is like if you think it's not as tightly written as what it is which i get it i've heard some friends say they think it was too ambitious it had too many ideas and i completely understand that i've heard some people say no it's good that it embraces all of that ambition but it is your interpretation that is what these a24 films are great at it is your interpretation yeah it's and honestly i was thinking about like people with like epilepsy like i don't <laughs> think i love this movie to death uh it might be my favorite like one of my favorite movies of all time i can't imagine surviving this movie if i had epilepsy yeah i get right? that too just like so many flashing lights so many things moving around it's so vis but at the end of the day i do think that's like the most visually satisfying thing i've seen in theaters in my entire life yeah, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that, man. So, yeah, <laughs> I gave it a nine. I was left a wreck. Yeah, <laughs> I gave it a nine out of ten. I think, is it a masterpiece for you? It's a, it's a masterpiece for me. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, so this uh, this great movie. Please go see it. Please don't be the cynical asshole that's like, oh, I hated it because I hate dealing with people like that right now. They're like, I didn't understand it, so it's a bad movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just go into it open-minded. If you need help dissecting it, come back to this podcast, read me or Fahrenheit's Letterboxd if you want. But yeah, that'll conclude everything, everywhere, stuck at once. Stuck at once. Stuck at once. <laughs> because, yeah, 
Um, something that I noticed with like these podcast episodes that I've been on personally, I've kind of changed my opinions sometimes, right? So it's always nice for me personally to look back at these episodes because, yeah, like, uh, it, it's mostly because like I've evolved as a human being. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I may not have liked uh the Snyder Cut before. I still don't, but I like. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But I don't know. Uh, This kind of just made me look back, if anything, just like at my whole like film adventure, because I've really only gotten into movies like this past year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I'm really glad that I got to join you. And I'm still I'm not saying that this is my last one. (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know. I just want to thank Hayden's Entertainment Hour for inviting me on yeah. in like March when I got to talk about this movie uh, <laughs> called The Snyder Cut. And now we're here talking about one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. come full circle. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah, so I guess Fahrenheit, I'll, uh, I'll send you back to your dimension. Uh, but that'll do it for this edition of Hayden's Entertainment Hour. We shall see you next time. All right. Bye.